I'm Dr. Future, your host. I invite you to join me as together we experience a future quake. 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 I'm Dr. Future. And I'm Tom. Haven't crashed in an El Paso backyard. Bionic. You and your weird stories. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, it's great to be back here in a Future Quake show. Uh, we are your dynamic duo of alternative Christian media. Along <laughs> with our boy Wonder, Tom Bionic. Tom, it's great to have you back here. Man, it's glad to be. I'm glad to be back. Future it was Quake a Central. wild, wild, wild trip. Mm-hmm. Seems like they always crazy stuff always happens to me. Why is that? Why is it? Well, what's the common denominator? Your it presence. It must be something's wrong with the world. I don't know. Your presence. <laughs> you are from a land far, far away, and uh, it's good to have you back here. Yes. Sounds like uh, some good fruit being born, and some of the people mm-hmm. that you're interacting with. Very, very interesting conversations. Thanks yeah. for taking time to click. You know, some of the people. yeah, I had a conversation with an 86 year old lady. Uh, she read 10 pages of a book I gave her yeah, and uh, was convicted about all the stuff, sort of the stuff, same stuff we talk about here on Future Quake. Yeah. And she sat down and she said, we're not good anymore, are we? You know, meaning mm-hmm. like America, right. you know. And I said, gosh, I don't know. That's a tough question. Well, I kind of think not. And she said, well, if we're not good, you know, what's the reason for America? What can I do to change it? And which was like, here's an 86 year old. 86 saying it's her responsibility Mm -hmm. to do do something. something. Yeah, she was, you know, she wanted to take on the whole world. uh, Mm -hmm. um, And I think if somebody had given her the keys to her car, she probably would have. Rather than (laughs) just saying, I'm 86 years old, that's somebody else's responsibility. Mm -hmm. No. Well, that should be really convicting of our audience as well as you and me. Well, it was, it gets even more convicting because we were talking and I said, She's like, well, what can I do? I said, the first mm-hmm. thing to do is to pray about all this stuff. And she's like, well, obviously. Yeah. You know, and it's like, oh, well, gosh. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We're out of, I'm out of tricks. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, but we talked, and, and, and she was going to talk to her. You know, I said, first thing to do is to get familiar with these things, yeah. you know, uh, and then find a cause and, and, then, mm-hmm. and then stick to it, you know. Right. Do that. You don't right. have to, you're not going to be able to save the whole world, so don't try. Right. But just one thing, and she's like, "Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do that." So praise the Lord. Well, we'll yeah. we will uh, like to check up on her and see how mm-hmm. she's doing. Keep us posted. Yep, It'll be interesting. Keep keep her accountable too. Remind her, 86. She doesn't get off the hook. Yeah. From her, we need. What are you doing, sleeping in? It's yeah. already quarter to eight. It's not <laughs> get like up. it's not like the regular army that has a draft limit at a certain age. Yeah. We need people of all. We're sort of like Berlin in the last days of World War II, where they brought those sixty-something-year-old men and kids out fighting in the streets of Berlin. Yeah, there we go. That's sort of where we're at that stage right now. Yeah, so I know. We could use everybody, everybody mm-hmm. on hand. But it's good to have you back. I hope everybody out there had a wonderful uh, gluten-free. Christmas. Gluten-free. Gosh. You couldn't get... If somebody put a plate of gluten in front of me, a bowl of, like, hydrated gluten and a spoon, you still wouldn't have equaled yeah. the amount of gluten that I ate at this... Bring me some gluten pudding. Bring me some... It was good, though. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, we're sorry about that. We know you want some really useful information, and we'll do our best to mm-hmm. dredge up something here. Mm-hmm. Um, 
announcements-wise, I just want to remind everybody about the, um, the Politics of Religion Conference, the 1st mm-hmm. and 2nd of uh, April in Fort Wayne. I believe if you go to thepoliticsofreligion.com, you can find out details about the conference. Yeah. And uh, Dr. Future and Tom Bionic will be there, uh, rolling up the road in the Future Mobile. Yeah. And, uh, of course, you know we should refer to that then as Future Quake 1. Yeah. Because anywhere that any vehicle that actually transports us would be called Future Quake 1. So if we would get into another vehicle, you know, sort yeah, of like, like Air Force 1. Yeah, if we ran one, a Pinto or something. It would become Future Quake 1 then, yeah. you know. Sweet. So, you know, just like the president. So. Yeah. There you go. Um, I've uh, been looking further at this thing on uh, doing something at the National Religious Broadcasters Convention or outside yeah, of it. Yeah, that's a very No Man's Land. Why don't you tell um, us about it? Well, um, I don't know quite what I'm doing or what I'm proposing, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. If the Lord will take what we're doing. I've constructed a intercessory prayer mm-hmm. for the our national religious Media figures. A very, very concise, like 18 pages. Well, I think it's only 12, so <laughs> you exaggerate. Um, but uh, I'll probably go on, and it looks like just some distinguished people I had reviewed it said that they thought it was okay. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to probably post it on futurequake.com here before too long, maybe in the next week or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, take it, take a look at it, see what you all think about it. There's plenty of controversy in there, just like a regular Futurequake show. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Uh, the, the conference is actually, and we can't get in there just to remind everybody, we can't get inside the door yeah, for thousands and thousands of dollars. We've to basically get in the door. been barred economically. Yeah, you can't get in the money changers yeah. uh, area. Yeah. And so, um. Not even with two doves. Really? No, you can't. <laughs> uh, all, all, all we hope to do is to be able to gather together and together pray this prayer and, uh, be together outside in the parking lot outside the, uh, uh, Opryland Hotel, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, they're meeting the 26th of February, and it's a Saturday up through that following Tuesday, like the second or something, okay. and so uh, the first, and so we're thinking about maybe Saturday mm-hmm. late afternoon, like five o'clock Central Time, mm-hmm. just gathering. Uh, if you all can get there, if you care, uh, this is what everything really goes around in our show. Uh, we cover all these issues, and the only reason we're on here is because mainstream Christian media won't talk about them. Mm-hmm. Most of the topics we have on Future Quake are avoided by our mainstream Christian media, and pretty much all of them. We need their help. We need them to wake up. We need them to embrace some of these issues, particularly the downtrodden, uh, the people who, in in all of our fury of of our idolatry of our nation or of other institutions, uh, that we feel like should not be critiqued. Uh, we have not looked after those who've suffered as a because of it. And mm-hmm. so uh, we we need the Holy Spirit to do it. We can't do it. You can't. I can't. Uh, nobody can reason for these things to happen, but the Holy Spirit can do things that we can't if we turn ourselves over to him. Mm-hmm. So if you all would pray about that, and also think if you all might be free on the, I think it's the 26th of February. It's a Saturday Whatever afternoon. Whatever that Saturday is, yep. And uh, join yeah. us. Yeah, come on down and uh, uh, pray with us. And, we'll, and maybe we'll go have some Mexican food. Well, well, we'll do something. We're right down the streets from Satco. Okay, yeah, well, I'm, actually, I'm going to be talking to some places that we can retreat to. Mm-hmm. Uh, like for you know, our, our backup if we get chased out by security or something like that from praying, if praying has become illegal. Well, and, uh, we should have we'll some, go somewhere anyway. You know, I've got a video camera. That was one of my Christmas presents. Want, want, want to be able to videotape it. Yeah. If you don't mind, get 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 capable with that. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
then maybe uh, Brother Chris White or somebody can help us uh, get it up on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe we can pass it around. But uh, once this is up on the line, again, probably another week, uh, roughly or so, I'd like our Futurians to go to futurequake.com, download it. I'll try to get it as a PDF up mm-hmm. there where they could attach it, send it to emails for people they know, mm-hmm. ask them to pray. At least it would be a way for them to start a dialogue with people mm-hmm. on some issues. And and just like Future Quake, there's something in there to offend everybody in our audience. Yeah. Nobody yeah, will agree with some, all of it. They'll start saying, this guy's worse than Julian Assange. <laughs> Well, Somebody kill him. Yeah, I think I did that a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. Okay, enough, enough, any other emergency announcements we have? Mm, I can't think of anything emergency. Okay. I just, life, you know, life is really good. Mm-hmm. And, well, get back know, to the swing of things for 2011. I'll tell you what, man. Going out on my little, on my little excursion there over the, over the Christmas holidays really showed me that uh, our culture really, really, really worships Bacchus and Mammon. Mm-hmm. Like, I get convicted about little things in my life, and then I go out walk around an airport for a half hour. Mm-hmm. It's like, the only thing they're missing is a gigantic brass bull over in the corner. Right, right. You know, and a, a big and you know gigantic those, owl. Oh, those, wait, they got one of those. <laughs> well, those ayahuasca demons have got to be very jealous yeah. of the of mammon and Bacchus like, in our nation. Because gosh. for all of the things that they try to do, they cannot get the worship that we in our country do. How did, they get, God of materialism how did they get all of those people pleasure. to buy those jeans? They look stupid, but they're paying hundreds of dollars for them. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah, you're right. You're it's right. crazy, man. Well, let's get into some stories. You want to okay. start or me? Uh, I would love for you to start, sir. Are you sure? Yes. Okay. Well, then I'm going to begin with a story. Uh, this is a story from the WikiLeaks archive. I'm trying to have a little sip here. Mm-hmm. Um, this is um, a topic I think we need to address further in 2011. There some dedicated shows. It says, a cable show DEA's global reach. This is from the New York Times. And that DEA is Drug Enforcement uh, uh, Administration, I believe. Mm-hmm. Leaked cables reveal the Drug Enforcement Administration's global reach, uh, noting dealings with Lutsana Kuyati of Guinea uh, and Ricardo Martinelli of Panama. And uh, Ernest Karama of Sierra Leone. Um, let me get into this. Uh, the Drug Enforcement Administration has been transformed into a global intelligence organization with a reach that extends far beyond narcotics. Mm. And, and an eavesdropping operation so expansive that it has to fend off foreign politicians who want to use it against their political enemies, according to secret diplomatic cables. Are you serious? So... This is the dimension to look at the whole drug issue. You've got to factor this into it, what you're going to hear now, mm-hmm. is that it has become something that in some ways actually eclipses the CIA and how it's become a tool and an opportunity for intrigue. Uh, it says, in far greater detail than previously seen, the cables from the cash obtained by WikiLeaks and made available to some news organizations offers glimpses of drug agents balancing diplomacy and law enforcement in places where it can be hard to tell the politicians from the traffickers and where drug rings are themselves many states whose wealth and violence permit them to run roughshod over struggling governments. You know, that's interesting. I found out something about, uh, you've heard the, of the Zetas, the cartel, the yeah. Zetas. You know where they were trained? Mm-mm. The School of the Americas. Really? Yeah. Okay, and they're the ones who were were part of the government parliamentary par, paramilitary for a while, and yeah, then they yeah they went to the over. school of the school of the Americas, which is kind of yeah. where we go to make uh, some some bad bad folks. Mm-hmm. And where I used to think crazy extreme liberal leftists used to go protest the place, and I thought how crazy they yeah, were. Yeah, I know. 
Crazy. You yeah. know they. By they, the way, my apologies to all of you crazy leftists out there. <laughs> you know, if you're hugging a tree right now and you can hear this show, my apologies <laughs> to you. You know, I found out too that there's some pretty serious civil rights violation that go on for yeah. those people that protest there. They go and they mm-hmm. take those guys down, throw them away, and convict them of stuff that they didn't even do. You know. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, they just get in the spirit of things there because mm-hmm. yeah. they're teaching that stuff Firing to people use in yep. Central America. Okay, it says, uh, here's some un- uh, dip- diplomats recorded unforgettable vignettes from the largely unseen war on drugs. In Panama, an urgent BlackBerry message from the president to the American ambassador demanded that the DEA go after his political enemies. I need help with tapping phones. So you, they're, wow. So they're co-opting them for this. Mm-hmm. In Sierra Leone, a major cocaine trafficking prosecution was almost upended by the Attorney General's attempt to solicit $2.5 million in bribes. Uh, in Guinea, the country's biggest narcotics kingpin turned out to be the president's son. Huh. And diplomats discovered that before the police destroyed a huge narcotics seizure, the drugs had been replaced by flour. Uh leaders of Mexico's beleaguered military issued private pleas for closer collaboration with the drug agency, confessing that they had little faith in their country's own, own country's police forces. Um, you, you know, this shows who really is fighting the drug law, uh, getting rid of the drug laws, They're mm-hmm. making these things illegal. Mm-hmm. The powerful who, who are want to keep the drug laws in place. You know, it's it's not some kind of really virtuous kind of people necessarily that are the main force behind keeping drug laws in place. It's people who are able to do evil things because they're in place. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'll continue. Kings of the earth. Cables from Myanmar, the uh, target of strict United States sanctions, describe the drug agency informants reporting on both how the military junta uh, enriches itself with drug money and on the political activities of the junta's opponents. Officials of the DEA and State Department declined to discuss what they said was information that should have never been made public. So they're ashamed that, obviously, the American public knows what they're up to. Like many of the cables made public in recent weeks, those describing the drug war do not offer large disclosures. Rather, it is the details that add up to a clear picture of the corrupting influence of big traffickers, the tricky game of figuring out which foreign officials are actually controlled by drug lords, Again, if the drugs were legal, there would be no place for drug lords. Mm-hmm. None of this would go on. Uh, and the story of how an entrepreneurial agency operating in the shadows of the FBI has become something more than a drug agency. The DEA now has 87 offices in 63 countries. Wow. And close partnerships with governments that keep the CIAs uh, at arm's length. Because of the ubiquity of the drug scourge, Today's DEA has access to foreign governments, including those like Nicaragua's and Venezuela's, that have strained diplomatic relations with the U.S. Many are eager to take advantage of the agency's drug detection and wiretapping technologies. In some countries, the collaboration appears to work well, with the drug agency providing intelligence that has helped bring down traffickers uh, and even entire cartels. But the victories can come at a high price, according to the cables, which describes scores of DEA informants and a handful of agents who have been killed in Mexico and Afghanistan. In Venezuela, the local intelligence service turned the tables on the DEA, infiltrating its operations, Mm. sabotaging equipment and hiring a computer hacker to intercept American embassy emails, the cables report. Wow. 
as the drug agency has expanded his eavesdropping operations to keep up with the cartels, it has faced repeated pressure to redirect its counter-narcotic surveillance to local concerns, provoking tension with some of Washington's closest allies. Cables written in February by American diplomats in Paraguay, for example, describe the DEA's pushing back against requests from that country's government to help spy on an insurgent group known as the Paraguayan People's Army, or EPP, the initials of its name in Spanish. The leftist group, suspected of having ties to the Colombian rebel group FARC, had conducted several high-profile kidnappings and was making a small fortune in ransoms. When American diplomats, you know, this is all the kind of foreign stuff that we get our nose in the middle of. Mm -hmm. When American diplomats refused to give Paraguay access to the drug agency's wiretapping system, Interior uh, Minister Filizola threatened to shut it down, saying, Counter-narcotics are important, but won't topple our government. The EPP could. The DEA faced even more intense pressure last year from Panama, whose right-leaning president, Ricardo Martinelli, demanded that the agency allow him to use its wiretapping program, known as Matador, to spy on leftist political enemies he believed were plotting to kill him. This is like everything that... It's like textbook case of why the WikiLeaks thing was important. You know exactly, uh, exactly, and it affects obvious. like major parts of our society. Yeah. If you get bored with this, tell me, I'll stop. Okay? No, no, uh, that's the, very good. Keep going. The United States, according to Cables, worried that Mr. Martinelli, a supermarket magnate, made no distinction between legitimate security targets and political enemies, and he refused igniting tensions that went on for months. Mr. Martinelli, who the Cables said possessed a penchant for bullying and blackmail retaliated by proposing a law that would have ended the DAA's work with specially vetted police units. Uh, and then he tried to subvert the drug agency's control over the program. Uh, when, when the United States uh, pushed back on those attempts, moving the Matador system to the office of the politically independent attorney general, he threatened to expel the drug agency. Hmm. Uh, eventually, according to the cable, American diplomats began wondering about Mr. Martin uh, Nally's motivation. Uh, did he really want the DA disrupt plot by his adversaries, or was he trying to keep the agency from learning about corruptions of his friends and relatives? One cable asserted that Mr. Martinelli's cousin helped smuggle tens of millions of dollars in drug proceeds through Panama's main airport every month. Another noted there's no reason to believe there will be fewer acts of corruption in this government than in any past government. Um, let me let me just skip down here some other things here. Um, uh, let's see. Da, 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 da. Created in 1973, the DEA has steadily built its international turf, expansion primarily driven by multinational nature of the drug trade, but also by forces within the agency seeking a larger mandate. Uh, since the 2001 terrorist attacks, the agency's leaders have cited what they describe as an expanding nexus between drugs and terrorism to f- uh, in further building its overseas Afghanistan. So... In other words, whatever excuse they can find, mm-hmm. find something to expand power. In Afghanistan, for example, DEA officials have become convinced that no daylight exists between drug traffickers at the highest level and Taliban ins- insurgents. Miss um, Handy uh, uh, described an agency informant's recording of a meeting in the province uh, Nangarhar between nine Taliban members and 11 drug traffickers to coordinate their financial support for the insurgency. Uh, and she said the agency was trying to put a security belt around Afghanistan to block the import of chemicals for heroin processing. Um, 
Let's see here. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, oh, uh, the cables describe lengthy negotiations over the extradition to the United States of the two notorious arms dealers wanted by the DEA, arms dealers, mm-hmm. as it reached beyond pure counter-narcotics case. Uh, one was a Syrian arrested in Spain and Victor Bout, a Russian in Thailand. Uh, and so this was all about, uh, neither man was charged with violating narcotics laws with the DEA were the ones that went after him. Um, so, anyway, um, I think I think that's sort of the, the basics of it. There's more in here, but I know our time's getting away. No, I think that's a great article. Uh, it says that, here, here's something you may find interesting. The cables uh, offer a portrait of the staggering effect on Mali, whose deserts have been littered with abandoned airplanes, including at least one Boeing 727 in Ghana, where traffickers easily smuggle drugs through the airport's VVIP, very important, very, very important person lounge. Um, and top, uh, top to bottom corruption in many West African countries has made it hard for diplomats to know whom to trust. Um, in Sierra Leone, President Coroma uh, moved to prosecute and extradite three South American traffickers seized with about 1,500 pounds of cocaine, while his attorney general was accused of offering to release them for $2.5 million in bribes. And it just gets worse and worse in here. Um, uh, you know, it, it says like here on a cable from Guinea described a heart-to-heart conversation about the drug trade between the American ambassador and his prime minister. At one point, the cable said the prime minister visibly slumped in his chair and acknowledged that Guinea's most powerful drug trafficker was Osame Conte, uh, son of the president. Um and then it talks here about actually where they, when the, the government officials swapped the drugs that they burned for the public, actually put um, flour. flour in it. Yeah. Because the, the cocaine was something like worth six and a half million dollars. What, what country was that? This was in Ghana. Ghana. Or Guinea, excuse me. Guinea. Yeah. Uh, so, I'm sorry that was long. No, you see, that was good. There's so many facets there of making drugs illegal. That creates an opportunity for crime and graft mm-hmm. that wouldn't exist. Yeah, it controls none of those governments things would happen if, if drugs were legal. And, and I'm saying that as somebody who hates drugs, I hate yeah. it. I don't use any. I don't use any of any kind that I'm, I'm aware like of. Aspirin. I don't. Yeah, I don't do anything. And I wouldn't. I would. In fact, as people know who listen to our show, I talk about the spiritual impact it has on people when yeah. they use this kind of stuff. But the fact that they create a black market for it like this. Mm-hmm. makes a lot more than just drug lords that are making a lot of money. Mm-hmm. It makes corrupt governments. It makes corruption all over. Yeah. And even corrupt agencies of the U.S. So, yeah, enough of my piece. That's good stuff. Well, um, I kind of went with some short pieces today. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll give you... I'll give that you was a, my longest one. That was the oh, okay. diatribe. Well, well, let me give you a, a short, kind of slightly goofy one that, that dovetails in okay. kind of a... Kind of an odd way with your your story here, and then um, uh, a slightly more serious one, just a little bit okay. longer. Um, story one: Mexican drone, that is like aerial drone, unmanned yeah. vehicle, uh, crashes in the backyard of an El Paso home. This is via the El Paso Times. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> the National Transportation Safety Board is investigating Tuesday's crash of a Mexican drone in El Paso's Lower Valley. So, mm-hmm. you know, not only is it not only do we have like 
you know, drones being used in Afghanistan and flying the border of our of our country. We've got them over there in Mexico. Mexico's mm. got them too. Um, but the weird thing is, is it crossed over into our airspace and nobody did much. Mm. Um, we are collecting data about the crash. We don't have the aircraft because it was returned to its owner. So it crashed, and the DEA showed up and said, that's not yours. <laughs> Picked it up, drove it back over over and gave it to the Mexicans. Mm. Uh, said Keith Holloway, spokesman for the NTSB, which investigates aircraft crashes in the United States and in other countries that requests its help. Holloway said the aircraft that crossed into U.S. airspace is a mini-orbiter unmanned aerial vehicle uh, developed by the Aeronautics Defense System. Uh, later on, the article states... Uh, Baron Yaye said the U.S. Border Patrol seized the aircraft, which was transported back to one of the international bridges so that Mexican officials could recover it. It's like, oops, here you go. Any explanation on what's doing in our airspace? None. Just like Jerry Lewis was actually piloting it or Gilligan or something? Is that <laughs> Probably Gilligan, yeah. yeah. Julian Assange, let's blame it on him. Okay, yeah. okay, he's the whipping boy. Yeah. yeah. Um, Osama so bin Laden's glad that Julian's on the front page. Give him a break. Uh, you know, of course, he's been dead for a long time. But well, yeah, that's one of the things, man. I, I had a conversation, uh, mm-hmm. as I often am want to do with people, and uh, I posed a question to a room full of folks, and I said, "Doesn't that strike anybody as odd that we can't catch some dude who's in like a hundred mile by two hundred mile box, mm-hmm. basically, somewhere uh, between Afghanistan and Pakistan, and uh, we could literally take our combined armed forces and put uh, for put." Uh, a man and uh, on their, you know, put the mm-hmm. boot prints down one right after another in all directions and literally cover that territory and we still can't find him? Doesn't strike anybody at all that it takes, it's taken nine years mm-hmm. and we no closer to finding him than we were a while ago? And they all went, yeah, hmm. I'll bet there's a reason for that. Mm-hmm. You guys are both very close to the truth and very far. Right, right. So... Or I find interesting that former Prime Minister Benazir Bhutto says in a national, I mean international interview, mm-hmm. that he's been dead for a long, long time, and then a couple of days later, miraculously killed. Yep. You know, attacked and killed. You know what else is interesting is that uh, one thing that's not been reported is that uh, I guess uh, I almost said Barack Obama. Gosh, mm-hmm. Osama bin Laden uh, said that he didn't do it. A couple of days after, in a in a Pakistani newspaper, mm-hmm. so we've got certainly there's a conflict of stories there, you know. Mm-hmm. Which one is it? Well, the, if that's true, and if that was the real him, if that was, mm-hmm. then who's the guy talking on all the videos we see? Who knows? Well, yeah, one I asked of the that really wondering, you know. One of the stories I think uh, I either brought in to read or did read was the fact that maybe you read it was the fact that uh, the CIA admitted to making fake videos. Mm-hmm. Of uh, Osama bin Laden to distribute, but then they said, "Oh, maybe we shouldn't do this." Yeah. And at the last second, but they had already done it, and you know mm-hmm. everything that we sort of see now with the videos, which could mean like, "Yeah, we did do it," but we wanted to send out a story saying we didn't do it. Yeah, it could it could mean a million different things. Right. Um, right. So. Okay, you had another story. For I us. did. Um, also related to the uh, WikiLeaks thing, uh, this this one a little bit more serious. This is via Salon. Mm-hmm. You know, salon.com. Yeah. I've I, become to really enjoy that site. Really? Mm-hmm. That's right. another one I thought just liberals hung out at. Yeah, well, the truth is but the I truth. But I really don't know. I haven't really been yeah, there. Too busy 
Never mind. (laughs) What's it say? The inhuman conditions of Bradley Manning's detention. From the beginning of his detention, Manning has been held in intensive solitary confinement. For 23 out of 24 hours every day, for seven straight months and counting, he sits completely alone in his cell. Even aside his cell, his activities are heavily restricted. He's barred even from exercising and is under constant surveillance to enforce those restrictions. For reasons that appear completely punitive, he's being denied many of the most basic attributes of civilized imprisonment, including even a pillow or sheets for his bed. I mean, come on, man. He doesn't get a pillow, doesn't get sheets. He hasn't been convicted yet. Uh, This is the way China treats their citizens. Yeah, or America. He is not and never has been on suicide watch. That's in parentheses. Uh, for the one hour per day when he is freed from his isolation, he is barred from accessing any news or current events programs. Uh, Lieutenant Villiard, who's mentioned later on, protested that the conditions are not like jail movies where someone gets thrown into the hole, uh, although I would dispute that, but confirmed that he is in solitary confinement, entirely alone in the cell, except for the one hour per day he is taken out. Well, I mean, the guy didn't even have sheets. You know, he doesn't have sheets, doesn't have a pillow. He can't exercise. Even in the hole, people could do Mm -hmm. push-ups. You know, based on what this is, Mm -hmm. based on the way this is written, it seems to indicate that he's under surveillance, and if he tried to actually exercise, they'd go in and restrain him or something. Mm -hmm. Um, In sum, Manning has been subjected for many months without pause to inhumane, personality-erasing, soul-destroying, insanity-inducing conditions of isolation similar to those perfected at America's supermax prisons Supermax Prison in Florence, Colorado. Uh, interestingly, the reason I'm reading this is because I'm, for the umpteenth time, reading uh, Tortured for Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. really a lot of this. See the similarities. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all without so much as having been convicted of anything. And I think that's really the mm-hmm. important thing. He hasn't been convicted yet. And as is true of many prisoners subjected to warp treatment of this sort, the Briggs medical personnel now administer regular doses of antidepressants to Manning to prevent his brain from snapping from the effects of this isolation. Um, so there he is. They're, they've got him. He's in lockdown. No pillow, no sheets. Oh, and you have to take these drugs now. Sort of, sort of like... I mean, you know, they just had a debate of this whole issue on Fox News. I just saw it. It was either earlier today or yesterday. I forget, mm-hmm. but it must have been the drugs I took. I can't remember. But anyway, um, they were having a debate, and they were, you know, they were all like, "Well, well, why should we treat him nice? He's a bad guy." We, we you know, they, of course, they had one defense attorney on saying, uh, "Wait a minute, he's not been convicted of anything." Well, 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 but he's a bad guy, though. We. We we shouldn't do anything. Oh my gosh, we shouldn't he's a bad anything. guy. Somebody get the rifle. We'll just get him summarily. We we shouldn't have you know anything uh, for him, but you know it was very clear to me that this is exactly what they do to people when they want to totally terrify them mm-hmm. uh, and mess with their minds to get them to confess to whatever. Mm-hmm. When they think that if you don't if you don't do and we sign this confession across from you, you can only imagine what we're going to do to you. It reminds me of um, it reminds me of what uh, Richard Wormbrand was saying. He said uh, for a couple of years uh, they would do different things, you know, to actually torture him before they actually threw yeah. him in solitary. And one of the things was is uh, they played for like 16 hours a day, really loud 
recording that way. Communism is good. Communism is right. good. Give up. Give up. Give up. Communism is good. Communism is good. Give up. Give up. Give up. And, you know, we shudder at that, you know, but then you see these um, talking heads on TV saying, well, yeah, but really, in some cases, that's justified, you know. Uh, even though there's not even been a trial. But what it is is that they, they'd like for him to do like the, the Chinese government do and confess, sign the confession. Mm-hmm. And what they have to do is break somebody's will to do it. And these are all the, the kind of cases of what you do when you want to break somebody's will. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you just you, you totally horrify them. You mess with their sense of reality like this. And you create that altered state. You can get them to do whatever they want. Mm-hmm. Now, he may be guilty. I don't know. He may be whatever. You know, but there's a justice system. But we don't, at least to be, there used to be a standard that you didn't do this kind of abuse to affect people and what their pleas are and stuff like that. Uh, you know, there was even standards once you were convicted. But right now, this whole Guantanamo virus, mental virus, has affected the military. It, it truly, it truly Where there's is no virus, restriction. Yeah. I mean, they just, they, 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 we can do whatever we please, do whoever we want, when we want. You know, you got... Uh, Joe Lieberman and others saying, well, we'll just go make new laws saying that you can take these, uh, you can take citizenship away from people mm-hmm. after the fact and then go back retroactively convict them. Mm-hmm. Which is basically saying you can do whatever you please and you don't have any kind of rights as a human Yeah, being. I know. It's, I can't, I just, I don't get it, you know. People are talking, like you say, making up laws yeah. so they can apply them retroactively, yeah, retroactively. to other people. Well, you know, and, and some of our listeners may be thinking, well, these are bad people. I don't feel sorry for these bad people. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, how many of you out there have... Everybody a, go read well, Pastor Niemuller's right. uh, poem about first they came for the communists. Right. And then they came for the Jews. And then they came for the gypsies. And then they came for me. And there was nobody there to speak up for me. Yeah. Well, I, what I was going to say is... Sorry. That's okay. Uh, how many people out there have ever gotten a traffic ticket? Where you actually, you were, you know, you were going a few miles over the speed limit. Honestly, you got caught. And what if the policeman came up to you and said, um, you were going over the speed limit, weren't you? Well, yeah. And then he suddenly said, you don't have any rights at all now. Since you have broken a law. Here, get out. Let me, let me work you over this baton. No, you can't call your attorney. No, you can't call your family members to let them know where you are. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm putting this car, and you're pretty much helpless to do whatever. And you're thinking, okay, I admitted I had a traffic violation. Does that mean you can do whatever you want to me? And that's yes. really the slippery slope of what you people go when you don't let, you know, obviously people have done much worse than that. But when mm-hmm. you go down that road, you know, when they say, what well, since you're a, quote, criminal, therefore you have no rights for anything, then heaven help us all. Gosh, heaven yeah. help us all. Gosh, there was a, a story I neglected to bring it in. It was um, uh, a little bit, I guess, a little bit dated, but yeah. um, just the whole thing, the whole thing about um, the fact that in some states, it's sort of taken for granted that police officers have a right to privacy when they stop you, but you don't. So mm. if you record the police, it's wiretapping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but yeah. if the police record you doing something in inappropriate. It's evidence. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, would you like me to read one that's a little bit a uh, glimmer of hope? Um, you know, I was wondering if we have uh, um, like a, you know, uh, an email. 
Well, we could read okay, emails. email. I, I hate to I, derail, derail you. Yeah, you just derailed me officially. But I the had plane one has the hit glimmer, the mountain. Glimmer of hope. It was going to stay on the, the hope, theme. Hope and change had to. I will read at, now. Just as a word to our listeners out there, our tens of thousands of regular Futurians, please keep sending the emails. Um, can't say we can read everybody's email online because get probably 15 or so a day just from brand new people emailing. Mm-hmm. And there's just no way to cover Lots them all on here. <laughs> pick some random. That's right. Hurts my feelings. Dr. Future, get rid of that co-host. But we'll take a sampling of different ones like this. This comes from a good friend of ours, Paul, uh, hey, in Texas. Paul, I expect you to see there at the uh, the the N- NBT or whatever yeah. it is. Uh, yeah, NRB. NRB. Yeah. yeah, it's a little drive from Texas, but yeah. love to see you. Um, this 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 goes back away. These are some responses way back in November, so I'm working my way up chronologically here. Some sampling here. Um, Brother Paul says, "What a great," and I, I believe he's talking about the show we did with uh, Voice of the Martyrs. Mm-hmm. He says, "What a great show, Doc." I got so excited I almost could not listen to the whole show before going out to find someone who doesn't, quote, deserve to hear about the love of Christ and love them. I think that this show and others that you have done like it have the most important message that Jesus died for all and loves all. Mm-hmm. Uh, boy, they totally misinterpreted me. I don't know if I'd want that message getting out. But I, I thought Jesus carried a forty-five <laughs> in his tunic. i got to come up with something new. I've used that no. every show for the last ten shows. Praise, praise the Lord. Yeah. I'd like to think that I'm a part of your convoy, Doc, carrying the love of Christ from town to town and terrorist camp to terrorist camp. Let me know if there's anything I could help you with or any support you need. Say hi to Tom for me, and God bless y'all and your families. Paul of Texas. Paul's cool. He says, P.S., yeah. you know it shows good when it ends with a convoy reference. <laughs> and you remember that? I do. Yeah. It's since worked to show way in a few other times. People too. are listening out there. They enjoy us. C.W. McCall fans, evidently. Mm-hmm. And w- when I asked to read his email, he responded. He said, sure, I'd be more than honored. By the way, I loved your show this week with William Grigg. He always challenges me and makes me think about ways I can practically help those around me find justice and peace. Thanks for all the life-changing work to spread the good news of the kingdom of God. Mm. So, Go, Paul. Paul. Paul always has a nice way with words. Let yep. me continue a few, a few yeah. more. Yeah, hit us with another one. Okay. Um, I saw a great review on uh, on uh, iTunes. Said Doctor. One part said, Dr. Future, he's a genius. Psst. Tom Bionic. I can't, I'm not sure if he's a genius or... He got hit in the head with a hammer or something. <laughs> Is that what they said? Yeah, I can't tell if he's a genius or, mm-hmm. or or if he's a if he's just so. F- I can't remember how it was worded. I know they meant it in a nice way. Yeah, no, it was really funny. Yeah. But well, I got one better for you here. Yeah, this is one of my votes for one of the coolest names of somebody. Lessons to future, future quick. This is from Prowess. Uh, that's a cool name. P R O W E S S Prowess. Uh, I hope yeah. all of our prowesses listening out there don't get confused on yeah, which one we're referring to. Okay. Uh, Dr. Future, I just want to say thanks for your research that you've done, and I found your piece on sorcery and drugs to be very intriguing. I came across on YouTube your radio show with Chris White on sorcery and drugs in opening the Last Day Spirit portal, and I found it rather, dare I say, enlightening. I recently watched a radio broadcast on YouTube that was done by Rick Clay, and it was about the 2012 Olympics in London. And he mentioned that there was talk about the promotion of drug use and raves around the arena while the Olympics are taking place. I really didn't think it too awful much of it, uh, as I come from a past of raving, and I know that London is big on dance music and raves and things of that nature. But then I listened to your radio broadcast, and it started to make sense. Now, whether or not this is true that they're encouraging drug use and parties during this time, I do not know. 
But hearing this along with your radio broadcast has really made me think. Just wanted to say thanks again for your research and God bless. Sincerely, Prowess. So, well, first of all, Prowess, it's great to hear from you. Yeah. And and l- like to hear more from you. But anytime somebody says hearing something at least made them think, mm-hmm. then that's mission accomplished. Yeah. That's job done. Wherever you might land, you might land on a opinion we show or something else or whatever. But if we have helped give somebody a, th- a second thought about things going around them, then uh, we've done something. So I used to think demolishing somebody in an argument was victory. Yeah. And now I'm I'm coming to understand and relearn the thing that no, it's changing people's thinking to be more in line with truth. That's real victory. And it may take a lot of patience. Yeah. You know, somebody's really helped me with that is Brother Robert. I was going to say Robert Hyde. Brother Robert, <laughs> he gets worked up sometimes. He'll go through phases. And that's when yeah. he's his most interesting is when he gets really worked up and he starts yeah. stroking that beard real fast when he's thinking hard, you know. Yeah. But um, he has been one to really show gentleness in dealing with people and patience. And uh, I'm hoping to learn from that. Yeah. Can I do one more here? Please. One more. Then we'll get back to this news. This is Brother Ken. Um, Brother Ken emails and said, this is about the James Bradley show we did, mm-hmm. Imperial Cruise, mm-hmm. which I understand you've been getting that book out to some people, too. Oh, uh, one or two or five. Yeah. Ten. He says, Dr. Future and Tom Bionic, thank you for a revealing program regarding race theory. For years, there was suspicion of the opium in China, the Hawaii incidents, the Philippines, and wiping of the American natives. This program really nailed it down. James did open this sad history. I recall in school that anything outside the white culture and thinking was parody and looked down on. He mentioned getting the riches from China. It is happening today with the banksters moving manufacturing to China and now pushing the Western rich lifestyle of debt on them after we lost here in the U.S. This thinking is still going on today. Uh, thank you and God bless. And uh, and when, when I asked him about reading his email, he said... Uh, uh, Dr. Future says, you are welcome to share this on the air. I finally shared some of this and other things with one of my sisters, and she is waking up to this. Sweet. I am getting the work. Uh, again, may God continue to bless you and Tom are doing. We got so, ourselves a convoy right. in a beautiful sight. The convoy of truth. <laughs> and, uh, Brother Ken, uh, we give you an attaboy there yeah. on working on re- relatives are the hardest. Yeah. If you can do that. Prophet. And that is awesome. It's without honor in his own Yeah, country. can you get a special medal ceremony that we have here? Yeah. Pyro will be bringing it to you. Yeah. Uh, and that's cool. So, yeah, story? Sure. Uh, here's a ridiculous one. Okay. Um, science of man-made life can proceed. Um, this is uh, via the AFP. Um, American Free Press? Yes. Okay. The White House on Thursday said the controversial program of synthetic biology or manipulating the DNA of organisms to forge new life forms poses limited risks and should be allowed to proceed. No, mm. well, no big deal. Making a, you know. Dr. Frankenstein, do whatever you please. Spider anyway. monkeys and, yeah. you know, pig horses. Mm-hmm. Uh, co-host. That would be a pigasus. Yeah, a pigasus. Yeah. <laughs> um An expert panel convened by President Obama advised vigilance and self-regulation. The scientists seek to create new organisms that could spark useful innovations in clean energy, pollution control, and medicine. I love how, like, they just, when they want to sell something, they just grab some superlatives that Mm -hmm. they think people are going to like to hear. We'll create world peace. Clean energy. Yeah. Yeah. World peace, cure cancer, make contact with, you know, Uh, space brothers. 
a fly horse and a you know mm-hmm. uh, a cow pig is somehow going to contribute to clean energy, right? Um, and pollution. Control. You know why? I come from working in the government where uh-huh. I used to have to work with some higher ups on getting money from the Pentagon. So mm-hmm. you put those buzzwords in, that gets funding. Yeah. Even if they don't understand what it's about, mm-hmm. if he says that, it says, oh, we're supposed to promote this. Here, let me write you in some money on the budget. Well, I'll tell you what. we gotta, it's, the, it's that sophisticated how they do it. I'll tell you what, man. We ought to do a show on um, HARP sometime. Yeah. Uh, I would add that to the list. Yeah, I'm sure I'm sure it's a very short list of <laughs> all the bad stuff. Chemtrails and yeah. similar um, ilk. But one of, the things that, one of the things that I read recently about that, well, a couple of years ago now, is the guy who originally developed it. Uh, you know, all these scientists got together and said, we can, we ought to do this. And they mm-hmm. went and presented it like, here is this thing to study atmosphere. And they gave him like, like $50,000 or no, yeah. no way. And right. then some other guy who was like a really dynamic thing is like, who's got a lot of money? The military. Mm-hmm. Let's make it a weapon. Yeah. And so he went and sold the exact same design as a weapon, potential mm-hmm. weapon. And suddenly they got billions of dollars. Yeah. But what ended up happening is people took it over. The military took it over. So well, you now know, it is a weapon. I have admitted in, in my technology development efforts, a lot of companies that have you know a regular peacetime civilian use, if they can find a military use, then they they can get investment capital. Yeah. To get it made for other uses too. Yeah. So. Well, I'll tell you what. Listening to Future Quake uh, sparks useful innovations in clean energy, pollution, and sure. medicine. Now, now DARPA will take over Future Quake. <laughs> We are not controlled. Please listen to your authorities. Now, Move along quietly. Wear the helmet of obedience. I am Doctor Future, friend of our federal government. Yeah. Who is always right. Awesome. Thank you, DARPA, for your support. <laughs> Anything else on this story? Yep. The president, presidential commission of, for the study of bioethics issues, concluded that synthetic biology is capable of significant but limited, uh, of significant but limited achievements, posing limited risks. Uh, it said in its first report, future developments may raise further objections, but the commission found no reason to endorse additional federal regulations or a moratorium on work in this field at this time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, at the member panel of scientists, ethicists, and public policy experts uh, were created. It was created by Obama last year. Um, mm. um, yeah, that's okay. last sentence. Critics said that the discovery was tantamount to playing God. Yeah. Creating organisms without adequate understanding, uh, without mm-hmm. adequate understanding of the ramifications and upsetting natural order. People always say, "Well, if something's really bad, there's got to be somewhere along the process that stops it." But there really isn't. Mm-hmm. There really isn't some kind of clear-thinking people in the approval process that says, "Wait a minute, we don't know what we're doing." You know, I, I didn't bring it in. It's funny because uh, somebody who's already been doing this is in, in mm-hmm. Japan. And they've already bred like a couple hundred mice with um, uh, like singing pigeons yeah. or singing singing birds of some type. Right. And the guy, he was working on it and working on it. And then one morning, you know, they've got hundreds of different mice where they've mm-hmm. spliced in different genes and stuff. And they came in one morning and they heard this mice going. Yeah. Like a like a bird. Yeah. And he said, that's it. It's D75. And then, you know, got the records yeah. and everything. And now they've got a couple hundred mice that now sing like birds. Yeah. You know, like, if it stopped crazy. there, it wouldn't be so bad. But it's not no. going to stop there. No. And it's like they like those uh, glow-in-the-dark zeta fish that somebody flushed mm-hmm. down the toilet one time at a laboratory. Mm-hmm. Um, and they wound, up, they wound up in the ecosystem and was like... <laughs> 
the only reason the only reason it didn't escape and you know mm-hmm. destroy the whole world was because the water the water was a little bit too salty and sterilized their eggs. Hmm. They actually got out there and bred with a bunch yeah. of other fish. What was it? Is Those little zeta fish? Zeta. I'm not familiar oh, with that. If you go to a pet store, they're these little uh, tiny fish. You yeah. buy them for like a dollar. Yeah. And uh, somebody in a lab somewhere was trying to make yeah. them so they glow in the dark. Yeah. And they were successful. But for some reason, he flushed a bunch of them down the toilet or something. Yeah. And they got out into the wild and they bred with some other zeta fish who are mm-hmm. actually out there in the wild. And... Uh, because uh, you know they the the things like even went so far as to lay eggs, the mama mm-hmm. fishes or the daddy yeah. fishes. I can't, I don't remember how their biology works. But yeah, the only reason it didn't work is because mm. their uh, um, the salt, the water, the yeah. salinity of the water was wrong, and it and it sterilized. What their you're eggs saying, I, I thought it sounded like these fishes were a danger to all of humanity. It's just the fact that some uncontrolled genetic modification could have gotten into the larger ecosystem. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Okay. Well, would you like to have a, another story from me? Oh, sure. Why not? Well, thank you for your permission. <laughs> uh, this, this Call is, me the TSA. I you have can been, now board your aircraft. I have been in a druggy mood in this show. We should have, like, sitar music. <laughs> Where's the lava? We have some, have some beads you yeah. push through to cut the future quake. You know who could grow a great Fu Manchu is Robert Hyde. Yeah, I'd like to see him in that. Cut that in a Fu Manchu. Yeah. 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 I'm sorry. Go ahead. Singing White Rabbit or something like that. <laughs> Um, well, back to our drug theme that I had here. But this is really more when you're talking about overbearing governments. This is one one for the common man here. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is from uh, the Billings Gazette in Montana. Missoula District Court jury pool in marijuana case stages mutiny. A funny thing happened on the way to a trial in Missoula County District Court last week. Jurors, well, potential jurors, staged a revolt. They took the law into their own hands, as it were, and made it clear... They weren't about to convict anybody for having a couple of buds of marijuana. Never mind that the defendant in question also faced a felony charge of criminal distribution of dangerous drugs. The tiny amount of marijuana police found while searching uh, to Ray Cornell's home on April 23rd became a huge issue for some members of the jury panel. No, they said, one after the other. No, and so it's not just one person causing this. Everybody. Is a, yeah. It says, no way could they convict somebody for having a sixteenth of an ounce. In fact, one juror wondered why the county was wasting time and money prosecuting the case at all, said a flummoxed deputy, Missoula County Attorney Andrew Paul. District Judge Dusty Deschamp took a quick poll as to who might agree. Of the 27 potential jurors before him, maybe five raised their hands. A couple of others had already been excused because of their philosophical objections. I thought, gee, I don't know if we can see the jury. Uh, said the judge who called a recess, and he didn't. During the recess, Paul and defense attorney Martin Ellison worked out a plea agreement that was on Thursday. On Friday, Cornell entered an, an Alford plea in which he didn't admit guilt. He briefly held his infant daughter in his manacled hands and walked smiling out of the courtroom. Public opinion is revealed by the reaction of a substantial portion of the members of the jury called to try the charges on December 16th is not supportive of the state's marijuana law and appear to prevent any conviction from being obtained simply because an unbiased jury did not appear available under any circumstances, according to the plea memorandum. Uh, a mutiny, uh, said Paul. Bizarre, the defense attorney called it. In his nearly 30 years as a prosecutor and judge, uh, the judge said he's never seen anything like it. 
I think it's outstanding. John Masterson, who heads the Montana Normal uh, National Organization for Reform Marijuana Laws, said when he told of the incident, the American populace over the last 10 years or so has begun to believe in a majority that assigning criminal penalties for the personal possession of marijuana is an unjust and stupid use of government resources. Uh, Masterson's hardly an unbiased source. On the other hand, the prosecutor, defense attorney, and judge all took note that some of the potential jurors expressed the same opinion. Says, I think it's going to become increasingly difficult to see the jury in marijuana cases, at least ones involving a small amount, the judge said. The attorneys and the judge all noted Missoula County's approval in 2006 of Initiative 2, which required drug enforcement to treat marijuana crimes as their lowest priority, and also the 2004 approval of a statewide medical marijuana ballot initiative. You know, I bet you this is the real reason why Chuck Baldwin moved to Montana. <laughs> I think it's just hit me. That's why yeah. Baldwin took his family out there. Um, it says, all three noticed the age of the members of the jury pool who objected. A couple appeared to be in their 20s, uh, a couple in their 40s, but one of the most vocal was in her 60s. It's kind of a reflection of society's whole on the issue. Um Given the fact that marijuana use became widespread in the 60s, most of those early users are now in late middle age and fast approaching elderly. Uh, uh, is it fair, uh, the judge wondered in such cases, to insist on impaling a jury of uh, hardliners to, who object to all drug use, including marijuana? So in other words, that was a required for jury parole. You had to have somebody who was against all use of drugs to be able to even judge this guy. Uh, he says, mm. I think this poses a real challenge to the proceeding. Are we seating a jury of their peers if we just leave people who are militant on the subject? Um, and then, of course, he was he was you know uh, dealing with some other thing. He had he had uh, um, other issues and things that he was dealing with, you know, mm-hmm. crime wise and stuff. So I don't get the impression this guy's necessarily a good guy. He no. was a principal yeah. of what people were were dealing with on here. Um, so. Anyway, um says the small detail in this case may end up being a big game changer in future cases. Uh, so, what I find interesting about that, again, not trying to promote drug use or, or that guy in that case, is the fact that people started thinking for themselves and they weren't intimidated by the system. Mm-hmm. Whether they were right or wrong, they were sitting there thinking, you know, this doesn't sit right with me. That basically they're looking for some excuse you know, rather than gathering evidence, there's probably lots of good evidence, something about this guy. You're going to get on something like this to try to bring him in. Mm-hmm. And it's so tempting, and particularly for Christians, to, to take the case of the end justifies the means. Mm-hmm. Well, we just know in our heart this is a bad guy. We just know it is. So if you have to bend the corners a little bit to do whatever, then, then so what? Because we know it's a bad guy and we need to get him off the streets. What I don't get is... I don't get is so many people see that, and then when you call them on that, they sort of begrudgingly admit that you might be right in some sort of like fake world. Yeah. But really, those sort of things don't apply. Like, yeah. but well, we really live in the real world, so and you got to just back off those like they quickly pinko forget commie leftist nonsense. Right. Like reasoning. Yeah. Got, get away from that reasoning stuff. Yeah. Uh, it's so weird, man. Yeah. I had a conversation just like that, that was preceded by a conversation with. You know, I don't get it. I don't know why our society is becoming so sick and messed up. And then I told them, and they were like, I told them, and the answer was basically because everybody worships Bacchus and Mammon. They Mm -hmm. don't love righteousness. They don't love Mm -hmm. justice anymore. 
you know, and they're like, yeah. Looking out for the brother. Yeah, yeah. They, we kind of argued about that, but we came to sort of some vague consensus on the opinion, yeah. opinion, and then we got into exactly that. You know, it's like, if we just could just do what we needed to do and just get those evil people that stand in our way like the law out of our hands, it's it's like, what? Mm-hmm. Right. That's so... I, Which the law is actually there to restrain government as much as anything. Yeah, rather than to restrain other that people. That stinking constitution! How mm. dare it get in our way? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we already had like all the pitchforks and the torches and everything, and yeah. it gets in the way of a good riot. You, yeah, you got something else for us? Oh gosh, I got so many things. It's just it's like where to begin. You have to pick. Oh, okay. See, I prioritize mine before I come in. Well, I do, but then you read something, and I think, oh boy, that other story would be timely here. You know, try and no, get a little just bit of pick flow. It. Um, well, here's one. Operators of the world's most successful atomic smuggling ring worked for the CIA. Okay. <laughs> this is via that rinky-dink newspaper called the New York Times. Yeah. Uh, bastion of conspiracy nonsense mm-hmm. and other stuff. A seven-year effort by the Central Intelligence a- Agency to hide its relationship with a Swiss family who once acted as moles inside the world's most successful atomic black market hit a turning point on Thursday when a Swiss magistrate recommended charging the men with trafficking in technology and information for making nuclear arms. The prospect of a prosecution in a public trial threatens to expose some of the CIA's deepest secrets if defense lawyers try to protect their clients by revealing how they operated on the agency's behalf. It could also tarnish what the Bush administration once hailed as a resounding victory in breaking up the nuclear arms network by laying bare how much of it remained intact or if they were complicit with it, is what Mm -hmm. the article should say. Uh, It's like a puzzle, Andreas Mueller, the Swiss magistrate, said at a news conference in in Bern on Thursday night. Bern, if you put the puzzle together, you get the whole picture. The three men, Friedrich Tanner Tanner and his two sons, Urhus and Marco, helped run the atomic smuggling ring of A.Q. Khan, an architect of Pakistan's nuclear bomb program, officials in several countries have said. In return for millions of dollars, according to former Bush administration officials, the tenors secretly worked for the CIA as well, not only providing information about Khan's network, network's manufacturing and sales effort, efforts, which stretch from Iran to Libya to North Korea, but also helped the agency introduce flaws in the equipment sent to some of those countries. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I buy that. Mr. Mueller... Uh, the Swiss magistrate, investigated the Tenor case for nearly two years. He said Thursday that his 174-page report recommended that the three men face charges for supporting the development of atomic weapons in violation of Swiss, Swiss law. They are accused of supplying Dr. Khan's operation with technology used to make centrifuges, the machines that purify uranium into fuel for bombs and reactors. Dr. Khan then sold the centrifuges to Libya, Iran, and North Korea, and perhaps other other countries. And so there you have it. Wow. You know, you know what's interesting that that story just points up another case. In fact, I had made a copy of that story too. Oh, I'm sorry. No, that's okay. Uh, is that after doing this show over years, you know, and us studying this material, it, this realization that it, it, who knows half majority of world events that happen, mm-hmm. including the the bad ones, what we consider the bad events, mm-hmm. almost at least half or more of the cases, the CIA is somehow involved having somebody there on their payroll in doing it. 
and, yeah, and I then, know, that's what I can't figure out. And then, out. you know, because that sounds so like whole conspiracy theory. But the fact is, I, the only way I see they internally justified is, well, we go along with this certain evil so we can track them for the greater evil. Like, like when they were letting these terrorists on board these airplanes. Mm-hmm. This, see, this should not really be, if people understood just what I just said and grasped it, they shouldn't have a big leap to find the fact that the terrorist attacks that attack us are usually CIA operations, mm-hmm. as we have documented here. Mm-hmm. Since 911, you know, we have our own suspicions about 911 itself. But since 911, it's usually a patsy, mm-hmm. somebody of low intelligence well, I that, would, they have, I would that they've hired to, I would, to start it. Yeah, I, I agree. I would challenge any of our listeners who are skeptical to go get a sheet of paper and write down the CIA is involved with the next terrorist attack. Yeah. And just put that somewhere where you'll see it. And, and put slash FBI. Sometimes yeah. it's just yeah, some or, or some other government FBI, agent, FBI yeah. CIA, yeah. And occasionally the DEA, and you know mm-hmm. NSA yeah. and Homeland Security or who knows who AAA. else. AAA. Yeah. American <laughs> Automobile Association. Yeah, somebody yeah. with an acronym. Mm-hmm. Um, and whenever one comes up, just f- carefully follow it, and sooner or later. Mm-hmm. Ninety percent of but, the time, but you, you have to be patient. Out. You have to be patient yeah. because first well, thing will happen is they'll go, "We got a new terrorist." Well, that's right. And, and see, then a couple weeks later, it's, it comes out. That, no, I'll give you yeah. a case in point. I was out of town with my pastor um, some time ago, and they had an announcement on the news where we were that they just caught some mastermind who was getting ready to do an event, and they caught him red-handed while I was doing it. And I told him, I said, "You watch it." They will quietly mention later, very low-key, that this person was actually hired by the FBI in a sting operation. And it was initiated by them. And sure enough, that night, I happened to be up late, couldn't sleep. It was like 2 in the morning. They had a little bug that came on the news that said, as they shuffled into court, the FBI admitted that they were the ones that initiated it. Mm-hmm. And they were ringleaders. And time and time again, that happens. Is that you find that. And so... um but, you know, it used to be only conspiracy theories said that the CIA was behind these kind of things. But really, I think that should be one of the bigger priorities of what we cover in our show. Again, putting it in the spiritual context as Christians. But that our intelligence agencies, nine times out of ten, usually have their hands on something bad. And the bad events that have caused us, made us enemies with other countries, it caused, you know, differences in people and the mm-hmm. culture, usually can be traced back to one of these kind of excursions that our intelligence agencies have done. I, it's like That's no revelation to most of our no. audience, but... Well, maybe to some of them. It's that... The if, ones that don't like us but still listen. If, yeah, which there are a good yeah. number. Uh, if we could just somehow figure out how to make that clear to the people that like you talk to mm-hmm. when, when you're in groups of people and our other listeners. Um, I have a story if you... What I love, what I love, and this I think this might convict some of... Some of our people who are very skeptical, yeah. when they hear this stuff, uh, they try and make a straw man argument out of it. Yeah. You know, you say, well, actually, those four guys, it turned out, were set up by the CIA or the FBI mm-hmm. or, or whoever. And then they'll go, so what are you saying? If there's a fake war on terror and there's nothing there? And I'll go, oh, look, I'm just stating facts. Yeah. Um, and they'll go, no, you're not. You're saying that there's no war on terror. That's a, you know, I don't believe you. And then we'll throw out what you said, even though it's like documented on paper in front of them. You know what I interpret that to mean? What they're really saying is, oh, no, don't tell me there's no real war on terror. Please don't say that that's what it is. Yeah. I think that's what they're really saying, although they may not even be able to convince themselves. 
but their subconscious is because they've made a leap that you've not even said. Mm-hmm. And the reason is, is that there's something in the back of their mind when you said that that says, oh, no, what if that's true? Mm-hmm. People do that all the time. Let, 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 let's say if you uh, sneak a cookie or something from your roommate or you ate some cookie. You're trying to say I'm fat? No, 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 no. I'm <laughs> doing a hypothetical here, okay? Let's say you ate one of your roommate's cookies in the refrigerator, okay? Uh-huh. And then the next morning, the, uh, the the roommate looks in the refrigerator and says, something's been moved around in here. And your first response is, no, I didn't eat the cookie, I promise. You call me fat? <laughs> So you know, you know what I'm saying is is that human nature uh-huh. will connect the dots, will always belie your thoughts. Yeah, like totally. That. And I think those responses are are indicative of that. Sure, hundred percent agree. Kind of I had a I had a story. I'll tell you a goofy story. I know it's supposed to be a news show, but yes. this is a funny story. Um, and I got one I'd like to knock okay. out here for you. Know. I was living I was living with somebody and I got up and I said, look, I bought this special cereal that I really like and it's hard to find. Mm-hmm. And um, I said, look, don't eat the cereal. You can have anything you want, just please yeah. don't eat my cereal. And and uh, I wo- I woke up one morning, and the the box is half empty. The milk is out. There's a bowl that's had my cereal in it in mm-hmm. the sink, and there's a spoon with milk in it laying mm-hmm. on a laying on a napkin in front of them. Mm-hmm. And I said, "Did you eat my cereal?" And they look up from their paper and go, it was terribly good, but I didn't have any. <laughs> that was like the best response ever. It was just like, oh, it was terribly good, yeah. but I didn't have any. That's like the the guy who told Jesus, yes, Lord, I believe. Please help my unbelief. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh gosh. That was so good. Well, we'll have to serialize that story for the next edition. <laughs> Um, this is uh, from Washington Post uh, Peter Finn and uh, Cornblut indefinite detention possible for suspect suspects of Guantanamo Bay you know we're the guys who just won't shut up on Guantanamo Bay yep. you know keep bringing that up um, believe me if I was on the inside and I innocently got picked up down there I'd be glad somebody's still talking about me yeah are you um, kidding the Obama administration is preparing an executive order that would formalize indefinite detention without trial for some detainees at U.S. military prison in Guantanamo Bay, but allow those detainees and their lawyers to challenge the basis for continued incarceration, U.S. officials said. Uh, I, I don't quite understand that. It's like we can keep you forever without being charged, but if you have an attorney, you can challenge it. So it's just putting the onus on the characters down there. Like, say, if you're poor and you don't have an attorney, then tough luck. Um, Uh, Yeah, I don't get it. The administration has long signaled uh, that the use of what the administration calls prolonged detention, preferably at a facility in the United States, was one element of its plan to close Guantanamo. An interagency task force found that 48 of the 174 detainees remaining at the facility would have to be held in such conditions. What about the rest of them? we have a plan to close Guantanamo, and this detainee review process is one element. So maybe they're figuring that the world will look at it better if we just geographically move them to this different place and do the same thing to them. Well, I think they would probably look at it better if we all just dropped them into a big wood chipper. Yeah. Maybe well, like, in some ways it would be detainees? more merciful to some of yeah. them. But, what detainees? Um, we don't have any detainees. Uh, We've got a soup bag full of them here. 
It says almost every part of the administration's plan to close Guantanamo is on hold, and it could be crippled this week if Congress bans the transfer of detainees to the United States for trial and sets up steep hurdles to the repatriation or resettlement to third countries of others. Uh, officials worked intensively on the executive order over the past several weeks, but a senior White House official said that it had been in the works for more than a year. If Congress blocks the administration's ability to put detainees on trial or transfer them out of Guantanamo, the executive order could still be implemented. Um, I would argue uh, that you still have to go ahead because you simply uh, have people confined to a life sentence without any review and then fight another day with Congress. Uh, one thing that we're mindful of is you can't have a review conducted by the same people uh, in the same process who made the original decision to detain. Well, thank goodness that they can see the obvious. That if you have the same people who made the decision to detain, ask them a second time the same question, you know. Yeah, uh, I like that. You have to have something that is different and more adversarial, which the Bush administration never had. In other words, that's that's how court systems work. You have both sides get to have it down to make their case. Mm-hmm. Um, it says, under the system established by the previous administration, Guantanamo detainees could go before military review panels with personal representatives, also military officers who explained the process, but could not act as lawyers. Uh, the system envisioned on the executive order would be more adversarial and allow detainees to challenge their incarceration periodically, possibly every year. Um, there isn't a single serious commentator on the subject who hasn't thought something like this wasn't necessary as part of a rule-of-law approach. Uh, it says uh, uh, it would ban the transfer well, of any detainee to the United States for any purpose. That rules out civilian trials for all Guantanamo Bay detainees, including Khalid Sheikh Mohammed. Well, that's clearly the rule of law. Let's just, let's just write something that we can backdate to people that are already there. Uh, to say, oh, wait, you definitely don't have any rights. Now we can hold you indefinitely after we've already picked you up. That sounds like the rule of law to me. Well, just think about if it was you. Now, you know, people are saying, well, these are terrible people. How come you're speaking on behalf of terrible people? Well, I'm not speaking as much on behalf of terrible people as I am on the ones who people have admitted were there mistakenly. Mm-hmm. And it's going to happen. Any any kind of you pick up people in mass like this, you're going to have people picking up erroneously. Mm-hmm. You know, and as we know, many of these people were squealed out as being some grudge in a local community in yeah. Afghanistan where they didn't like this guy across the street, so they ratted him out as being a terrorist and they picked him up. Well, one of the th- it's yeah, totally. One of the things that's especially scary in light of this is this new uh, mobile booking unit that's co- being rolled out here in Nashville. Uh, basically, it's like it's they call it the. Uh, yeah, the mobile big booking unit. You go pick up people that have felonies and basically to do search warrants and stuff and to present the case that yeah. this person really is a felon. Uh, a sheriff has to appear before a commissioner and say, yeah, I knew this guy's a felon. Well, now they're saying any uh, an officer's sworn statement uh, presented by anybody who works for the sheriff's office is okay. Like, they don't yeah. even have to appear before a judge or anything anymore yeah. to be, yeah. you know, to have it. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. So, rights of the what? individual. Yeah. And the Christians, the Christians in America are not signing with the rights of the individual. You know, it says here, uh, just furthermore to, to wrap this up, mm-hmm. um, it says at least 48 detainees are too dangerous to release but but could not be put on trial. Officials have said the evidence against the detainees has been tainted by torture or cannot be used in court because it was classified or would not meet legal standards. 
Okay, so we got people who we tortured, or or the the evidence doesn't meet legal standards. Mm-hmm. Therefore, that justifies detaining them indefinitely. Yeah. No. So 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 what deterrent right is there for, for torturing side. people? If you torture people, you don't have to bring them up and challenge your rationale for putting them into into trial. Pray for our side. Land of the free, home of the brave. Woohoo! Get your naked picture made to fly. Here I, we go. I, I just don't understand. I mean, I, I take I, I take it that this is an improvement, what they're saying here, but but it's still it, it's so inhuman. And again, if if there's somebody who truly harmed people and truly did something to harm them, they should be put on trial. They should be allowed for the public to review and everybody to be convinced that this was a bad person and to lock them away. Get them. And let the world sure. see what these people did. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, those terrible people at the American Civil Liberties Union uh, who, uh, you know, unfortunately have the same opinion that we're expressing here. Uh, it says, our Constitution requires that we charge and prosecute people who are accused of crimes. You cannot sell an indefinite detention scheme by attaching a few due process baubles and expect <laughs> that to restore the rule of law. It is bad for America. It is not the form of justice we want other nations to emulate. Isn't that true? I mean, we used to call these countries police states that did this, like Argentina well, and other countries. Well, yeah, and uh, unfortunately, as you know, I mean, I'm preaching to the choir here. Uh, you know, it's not like we're we're uh, unculpable when it comes to blowing up um, democratically elected governments, you know. Well, we have an art form. Mossadegh and Iran, yeah. you know. Yeah. We, no, we've, we've developed... That was it. also another Christmas gift to somebody, by the way. I got him a book on... I called The Shah's Man about that. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. wish I got books like that. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, you got a story for us, or I got I've got so emails? many stories. I don't even know where to go. Well, you have to pick. I'm sorry. Okay. Well, here's one that I, I mentioned on my prediction show that I, okay. I I didn't say. It's not a huge... It was like a softball easy one. Yeah. But I just mentioned it here. Uh, state budgets, the the stories from CBS News in 60 Minutes. Mm-hmm. It's called State Budgets, The Day of Reckoning. Okay. Uh, and that was my thing. The day of reckoning is now, mm-hmm. and uh, we can no longer hide it, and it's going to be a really big, scary deal here coming along about March. Okay. Um, so just a couple quick sentences. Uh, by now, just about everyone in the country is aware of the federal deficit problem, but you should know that there is another financial crisis looming involving state and local governments. It has gotten much less attention because each state has a slightly different story. But in the two years since the Great Recession wrecked their economies and shriveled their income, the states have collectively spent nearly half a trillion dollars more than they collected in taxes. Mm -hmm. Half a trillion. There is also a trillion dollar hole in their public pension funds. The states have been getting by on billions of dollars in federal stimulus funds, but the day of reckoning is at hand. Mm -hmm. Because they're unlikely to get that now. Um, Close that gap with new new regulations. Um, So that was just a quick little one that I had there for uh, that one. My other story here uh, is one that I read just today. didn't have a chance to print mm-hmm. out. Um, this one is from the from that kooky conspiracy site called the Wall Street Journal. Okay, yeah, uh, heard of it, rag. Yeah. So young and so many pills. More than 25% of kids and teens in the U.S. take prescription drugs on a regular basis. Um, Gage Martindale, who is eight years old, I like that name, Gage, mm, um, okay. has been taking a blood pressure drug since he was a toddler. I want to be healthy, and I don't want things in my heart to go wrong, he says. And, of course, his mom is always there to check Gage's blood pressure regularly, 
with a home monitor and to make sure the second grader doesn't skip a dose of his once-a-day uh, enalapril. Mm. These days, the medicine cabinet is truly a family affair. More than a quarter of U.S. kids and teens are taking a medication on, chronic, on a chronic basis, according to Medco's Health Solutions. Incorporated, the, the biggest U.S. pharmacy benefit manager with around 65 million members. Nearly 7% are on two or more such drugs based on the company's database, figures for 2009. Doctors and parents warn that prescription medications to children can be problematic. There is limited research available about many drugs' ki- effects on, in kids, and healthcare providers and families need to be vigilant to assess the medicine's impact, both intended and not. Although the effects of some medications, like cholesterol-lowering statins, have been extensively researched in adults, the consequences of using such drugs for the bulk of a patient's lifespan are little understood. So, um, uh, article goes on. Many medications kids take on a regular basis are well known, including treatments for asthma and attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Uh, uh, also, they're beginning to treat ODD as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Go go check one of our past shows for that one. Mm-hmm. Slightly obscure reference. Uh, but children and teens are also taking a wide variety of other medications once considered only to be for adults, from statins to diabetes pills and sleep wow. drugs, according to figures provided to the Wall Street Journal uh, by mm. IMS Health, a research firm. Mm. That's one of the things. That's kind of what I thought would interest you because we have we've yeah. talked that a lot of those things have some really chemical similarities to um, right. Right. Uh, um, ayahuasca. Hallucinogens yeah. and the yeah, DMT stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, who thought a statin would make you see, mm-hmm. see ayahuasca demons? Um, prescriptions for antihypertensives in people age 19 and younger could hit 5.5 million this year if the trend through September continues, according to IMS. That would be up 17% from 2007, the earliest year available. Now, I mean, that can't be... That can't be. There can't be some type of crazy medical problem going on that we need to increase our uh, our drug use of antihypertensives by 17% year over year. Mm-hmm. Come on. Um, researchers attribute the wide usage in part to doctors and parents becoming more aware of drugs as an option for kids. Unhealthy diets and lack of exercise among children, which lead to too much weight gain and obesity, also fuel the use of some treatments, such as those for hypertension. And some conditions are likely caught and treated earlier as screening and diagnosis efforts improve. So what they're all saying is there's, well, people are becoming more unhealthy and really we're just getting mm-hmm. better at this. This is the wave of the future. The, the, the chemist, the pharmacist is going to be the key person yeah. in society for everybody. we got about... 20 seconds. All right. so. Well, it's just more, it gets more ridiculous as you go on. So okay. that's all I have. But that is a recurring theme mm-hmm. that has occurred is that um, the, the, the sorcerer slash pharmacist uh, chemist mm-hmm. is going to be the key to keeping people of every generation mm-hmm. going stronger. I've often wondered why kids like Smarty so much. <laughs> you know? I don't know. That's an interesting one. Anyway, uh, sorry. Speaking of smarties, uh, Merv, would you come in and tell our listeners how to contact us at FutureQuake? FutureQuake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. 
Tell us your name, city, and radio station or internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. We have to go. All right, man. Come back uh, for tomorrow's Trimmers next week. Until then, we hope your future is always bright. Have a good day. Bye. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. Quake, quake, quake.